Uh, yeah, welcome back to um, One Track Minds. This is the show where myself, uh, Devin, and Matt. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> uh, we, I was ready that time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we um, take one single song from a given band, usually a band that we like, but I guess not always. Um, and we uh, take a closer look at that song in particular, uh, in contrast to sort of like the album and the band and maybe some historical context of the genre, whatever we feel like at the moment, basically. <laughs> it's a very loose format. Um, so I... Every week, one of us chooses a song, and I, in an unprecedented uh, turn of events, I chose two songs because I couldn't quite choose between these two songs. So off of In Casino Out by At The Drive-In, I chose uh, Lopsided and Hourglass. Those are two of my favorite songs um, from that band, for sure. So I was really interested to have Matt listen to them. Um, I think they're very different songs from one another, and also they kind of really set a good contrast point for the rest of the album in terms of um, like rhythm and, and uh, lyrics and things like that. So, Matt, I, I don't really know your history with this band. I, I'm going to take a guess and say that you are familiar with them, uh, but other than that, I have no idea. So why don't you get into your personal experience with At The Drive-In? For sure. So I was definitely more uh, familiar with um, their next album, Relationship of Command. So that's a record that I know a lot better than In Casino Out. Um, I think somebody sent me One Arm Scissor Man like in grade 10. And so I was fairly familiar with that record, but I never dug into, you know, their their earlier stuff so this was a, a pretty a new i was coming to it pretty new uh at least in casino out although i did know the band um i was curious as to why why do you think specifically lopsided you know what actually before we do that let's just quickly go over who at the drive-in is because i know i have a lot of like co-workers that know nothing of emo and punk and post-hardcore and they do tune into the podcast at times hey, how's and it going? they are <laughs> completely confused okay uh, well this this is good because i i do think that at the drive-in specifically do have some uh similar to jimmy eat world i think that they have they are anchored in sort of uh I don't. I don't want to say normie culture, but they are, you know, in the uh, nor. I I don't know a, a friendlier way to put that, but like the non-punk kind of mentality. I, sure. I think that because of um, Mars Volta, which I think are much more popular than at the drive-in ever would have been. So, um, yeah, this is the album from 1998 too. I didn't mention the date. I don't know if that's important. I'm not good at this part of the job. So. Matt, you can go ahead and I, describe I like this band. This is my favorite. So they're from El Paso, Texas. They formed in 1994. And yes, In Casino Out was released in 1998. I believe that their next record was their final record. Nope, they had one more uh, one more record, Via, and then Relationship of Command, which was... It looks like Via was an EP, but they released yeah. Relationship of Command, and they basically broke up in... 2001 ish yeah via um, was like the um 
It was like the prototype for for relationship of command. So like if you there's a, a pretty marked transition between like in casino out and then you have via, which is like a bridge between how they sound in in relationship of command and relationship of command is their like their most popular album. Uh, and one arm scissor, not one arm scissor man. Sorry, Matt. But one arm scissor was their, um, I think, the most popular song. Yeah, for sure. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, they ended up uh, breaking up and kind of splintering off into two uh, two main bands with like some detours along the way. But but uh, Cedric and Omar created the Mars Volta, which is more of like a prog rock band in the in the vein of pink floyd's um pipers at the gates of dawn uh and then they've got and then and then jim ward created with other members of the band sparta which is more of a like straightforward post-hardcore band and i think looking at at the drive-in i feel like what makes at the drive-in kind of special is that combination of the two styles so I, although I lean more Sparta than I do the Mars Volta, um, that weirdness and that prog rockiness that has added to the post-hardcore really made at the drive-in weird and uh, more compelling than a straightforward post-hardcore band, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that they are like a reverse super group. Um, yeah. And you can hear, like you would, if you, if you thought that Mars Volta and Sparta got together and made at the drive-in, after you would you would say oh yeah that that makes sense so it's like they took these two different aspects of at the drive-in and they split off and uh, and it's very cool and i also like sparta a lot and i'm not too familiar with the mars volta i remember when that first mars volta album came out and i thought it was going to be an extension of at the drive-in um i i bought it and listened to it and quite enjoyed it but as that band went on they really really pulled away from like the the at the drive-in kind of roots um sparta I'm I'm mostly only familiar with uh, Wiretap Scars, but it's one of my I I wouldn't be surprised if that was picked at some point. Uh, maybe not anymore now that we're already talking about Sparta, but um, it's one of my favorite albums. So I I was thinking about this just as like an aside for the podcast. So do do we want to like I am not opposed to uh, talking about uh, like spinoff bands, bands that came out of the bands that we've already spoken to. I don't know if I want to talk about the same band again uh, like maybe maybe don't do another we won't do another at the drive-in but no. we could maybe do sparta i agree completely i would not if you if you were like next week i'm picking uh one arm scissor man by at the drive-in i would uh i would say no matt because that's uh, not a song one arm scissor, scissor man was that another shot i <laughs> i i i i am going to have to spend the next 10 minutes revising my plan <laughs> yeah just at um, the, the name of the song alone you need to restart yeah but but i i really did i liked i liked the song so lopsided and hourglass were the two songs that you picked and they they did go one after the other i will admit so i listened to um i listened to the record in its entirety uh once on a run and then i listened to lopsided and uh hourglass on repeat for about an hour just back and forth um so I have like a, a a good understanding of those two songs, but maybe not so much the record as a whole. Though Napoleon Solo did is, speak to me, did did stand out on my run. Um, yeah, I mean that's good. That's more than I would have actually. That an hour of just those two songs—that's a, a lot of listens. So I'm gonna guess that you didn't find them 
uh, <laughs> revolting in any way. You, it sounds like you like the songs. I um, like them a lot. Uh, lopsided at the end of lopsided when there's uh, there's a lot of like chatter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, talking, I'm not exactly sure what the like what what's going on there, but it reminded me a lot of um, Coheed and Cambria, which came, you know, I don't know, six or seven years later, yeah. but. Uh, and I always thought Coheed and Cambria was so was so uh, you know <laughs> ahead of their time. At, when I was fifteen, I was like, "Wow, this band is so wild." Yeah, I, I would say that like at the drive-in are not a stranger to like sci-fi elements. Uh, even though I don't know if they're necessarily like intended to be that way, based on some stuff that we I've been reading about the band. But um, especially relationship of command has like a very. Uh, sci-fi kind of twist but are you referring to like at the end of the the very end of lopsided like the transition between the two songs yeah between like like in between there's like uh like a piano it sounds like people talking to each other but it's Mm -hmm. it's like creepy and like weird and eerie yeah i was actually when i was re-listening to the two songs for the first time after i recommended it to you i was afraid i was like oh this i wonder if matt's gonna have a problem sitting through this like piano like one minute of piano like transition i love i that stuff i love nice yeah cool because i have some songs too that i haven't chosen because i'm afraid that the intros to the songs are too long so i i'm wondering should let i should let go of the fear man yeah let go of the fear this is something i wanted to ask you about so when i was reading about the creative pro- uh, process of making the the music so they they recorded it they made this record in three days and uh I guess I have two questions. One is so when they were when they were in interview talking about the record, they basically said they didn't give the lyrics much thought and they just kind of like put it down. Uh, like the lyrics are kind of more random, mm-hmm. uh, which which like it's hard to uh, it's hard to figure out what he's trying to say in the lyrics. But I also don't know if I buy the fact that they're completely random. Like I they're, think. Okay, well, this is something that I've kind of had to explain for myself. So maybe this would be my opinion on maybe what what he means by that is that um, you when you're writing organically, you'll you'll just come up with with things that aesthetically sound good or like seem to flow nicely. But then there's meaning there, but it's all internal. So like you might discover things about the stuff you write that is unintended but the the very fact that you're a human writing it means that like every all the subconscious meaning is is being put there and it's real and it's actually there but um you might not necessarily realize uh what you're what you're saying until somebody is like oh this connects to this and then you're like oh yeah good point so like i i do buy exactly what he's saying i i know what it, i think i i kind of understand um from a creative perspective what what he's trying to say in that uh, it's not that he just wrote gibberish. It was just that, like, the meaning is is, is backloaded. So you might, you might just he might just come up with a concept about something that is, like, I think when the one I was reading, like, you know, getting surgery on his hand or whatever. Uh, and then the, but then like this entire secondary meaning might come from that from a listener perspective. And then when you, he considers it, he thinks, oh yeah, maybe it was about that all along. So. Um, yeah, maybe that's kind of what you're, is that what you're asking about? Yeah, I was just kind of curious if you could, if you kind of understood that, uh, 
stance. And I do think that probably different artists go at it, uh, like approach it in, in different ways. But I was wondering as, as somebody who writes and writes music, if, if, if you understood that. So I mean, that, that, that does make, it sounds like you do understand. I, I think I do. Yeah. I would, uh, cause like I'll sit when I write uh, a song, I will just go ahead and write it. I will just play the song and sing whatever comes to my head. And then usually two or three times later, that's the lyrics. And then a year later, I'll be like, oh, this actually <laughs> like could be perceived as deep. But then it's like, it's bridging that, that gap. It's like, oh, I guess it always was deep. It's just like my creative soul, in quotes, uh, was not communicating directly with my, my brain, but they're both working together. That's probably nonsense, but that's kind of the best way I could explain it. I also think there's something to the like the really personal becoming universal. So, yeah. you know, when he, he he writes about going through surgery and then a fan came and talked to him and, and it uh, to to this fan, it meant um, it was about abortion and, and it, it, it made him think about the way that he was living and 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 treating people and changed his life and i do think that when you go to a really personal level about yourself it actually becomes more uh like it's 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 more easily accessible in a strange way it's mm -hmm. like a weird magic yeah yeah i agree completely it's um it's i i, I can't really say anything else about it yeah sorry so so devin uh what like do what specifically about these two songs make them do you think your favorite your favorite songs uh, i i like um I, I like accessible melodies so lopsided i just think is like you just hum it like i i just go around singing it and i always have so like when the, that first line this is the action of the half-hearted lamb or whatever and then just the melody of that is very is very pleasant and catchy. And then the the reason why I went into Hourglass as well is because like to me, those two songs when contrasted against each other basically show you that like there's at the drive-in and then here's like a sneak peek sneak peek of Sparta. So Hourglass is basically a Sparta song. So to me, it was like a really easy way to transition to the conversation about Sparta. But you probably didn't need that, but. I like to pair these songs. There's also just the the fact that I will skip to Lopsided and listen to Lopsided then Hourglass. So sometimes if I'm in the mood for it, I just listen to those two songs together. So there's just something about them in my own personal experience that are kind of entwined as well. I think I think in a weird way, uh, it I, I almost would have preferred if it ended on on hourglass i i listened to transatlantic foe which is the last song in the record so lopsided hourglass and transatlantic foe are the last three yeah Transla transatlantic foe i was expecting it to be quieter yeah <laughs> like it's it's like a weird like it goes up and and i guess that's okay it just like it it sat weird with me it sat wrong with me <laughs> Uh, I think that it's, I can see the vision maybe of like why it's there. Like, cause you start on a high, like the album starts amazingly like energetic and great. And, and, um, just like the, the South American influences, the, the different like drums and stuff. It's, it's so good. And then, uh, and then you kind of get into, I wouldn't say a low, but then you, it kind of, it's like a downward kind of trajectory until you get to lopsided and then hourglass is like the, 
the final sort of mellowing. Um, and then I think, I guess it's like, then you just get one more little blast of energy. I, I, I assume that's just so that like the album didn't end on a low note. And I don't mean that in like a quality way, but just like on a, in a melodic kind of low note. Um, yeah. but I can see that Hourglass would have made a good finale for the song as well, but there was a tendency back in these, um, types of albums to have in the middle or near the middle or end of the record to have like the the slower song and we saw that with um jimmy eat world uh right but but those albums very rarely will end on that song so i don't know if that was just like them crafting the album in a way that was kind of standard to craft this type of album um i don't know to track um listing or whatever is not something that i i was able to find them talking about at all so i don't really know how that um how much thought is put into that or who does that if that's the band or the or the like the record company i actually don't know so if anyone knows let me know of of what track listing yeah i'm not sure who determines the order of the tracks oh my god i would hope that it's the bands i i've been living under the assumption that it's the band my my whole life I'm going to assume that when when there's a lot of hands involved in like big business type music, and I know this yeah. isn't the biggest business type music, but like, uh, it's it's the people who are trying to sell the record are going to choose where the tracks go. That's my assumption, unless you're like an independent sort of like one person operation or like I I don't think Taylor Swift gets to choose which song comes first on her album. I I don't know. I think she does now. I think she does now. What well, like I I would assume. And maybe that's why I like more independent artists because I, I I assume that they have more more agency. Yeah, and it's funny because like I'm having and this is I'm having trouble kind of contextualizing as we go along this like how big this business of music was because I always thought of like this emo punk subgenre to be like very independently run. Um, but now I'm kind of <laughs> I'm noticing like after the Sunny Day Real Estate episode, um. It's like these all these bands were like in the business of making music like this is this is marketable music that like had very clear like goals as far as like marketing, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But yeah, so um, I'm learning a lot uh, myself. So hopefully listeners are also kind of (laughs) learning something. For sure. What like one thing I forgot to add that I wanted to just make note of was that they were signed to Fearless Records, which. Mm If you look at, like, I looked at the roster, I'm like, Fearless, I've heard of them before. Let me look at the roster. It's all, like, very polished, slick, pop-punk bands. Like, have you ever listened to the Mayday Parade? (laughs) I've not listened to the Mayday Parade, but two of my, two bands I really like are on Fearless, so that would be Keepsake and Glass Eater. Um, Okay. So, and they both, they also have that, like, yeah, very produced um and i don't have a problem with that but like at the drive-in like i went through uh like uh there's one mayday parade record that i really like but i went through uh sorry uh but like looking at the bands at the drive-in really sticks out like but they it, it turned out that they they just really liked uh the two owners of fearless records and they're just like yeah we don't fit in with any of these bands we just like them so we're just gonna work with them and i think that's an interesting way of going about it not trying to you know match your sound with the label so that there's like 
people will, will be able to find you easier that way. Like say like a discord records, like there's a sound mm -hmm. and like, if I go to discord, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably gonna at least be okay with all of these bands. Yeah. Whereas, uh, fearless records, uh, uh, like, like if you like at the drive-in, you might not like most of the bands on fearless. Yeah, and they were like not touring with other bands from the record label. It seemed like for because you know, uh, and it goes back. They were touring with like Jimmy Eat World, but you know, shout out to uh, episode one, um, Knapsack, Knapsack, yeah, and um, and even Rage Against the Machine at one point. So yeah, definitely an eclectic uh, group. But yeah, Knapsack are great. So that is pretty much all I've got for. Uh, for in casino out for lopsided hourglass at the drive-in what about you uh no i mean i really like this album i i think that i i have like a, a very good memory of like purchasing it uh i went to like the little record store in sarnia and i bought this album i put it in my disc man and i listened to it in the uh the downtown mall uh when that was still uh standing which has been torn down yeah um yeah and i um I have a very good memory of like it hitting with Alpha Centauri and just like listening to the whole thing and then putting it on repeat. And back then I actually remember not liking nine, uh, track nine and 10. Uh, cause I didn't want that lull cause I was a rambunctious teenager, but it's definitely been flipped now and where I, I prefer those, those two songs. Um, so yeah, I mean, great album. Um, glad that you, you liked it. And I'm, I wasn't sure if you had were as familiar with it as me, but it, I'm kind of glad that I was able to get your first time opinion on it. Yeah. Um, I do want right. to, yeah. So yeah. two things I want to thank uh, Amanda for doing a little bit of research for us. Oh, so. yes. Yeah. So let's Matthew. give her credit for that because yeah. Amanda Devin's wife really, really put uh, together a, a nice set of notes for us after, uh, after our <laughs> screeching weasel episode that had almost no facts at all. Yeah. She was like, where are the facts? All right. Also, wait, wait, wait. I'm also going to give a shout out to Dan Will, who uh, we gave a shout out to Amanda last time and we didn't give one to Dan. So we'll give a shout out. Hey, Dan. Hello. Hey, Dan. <laughs> last name live on air. OK, so. OK, well, okay. well I don't we can we can beat that. Air <laughs> no, it's fine. I wanted to do a new little segment. Sure. Uh, where I take a look. OK, so in Casino, I was released 10 uh sorry in um 1998 uh so let's look at what was being released 10 years before that and then okay so here we go uh gorilla biscuit self-titled and suffer by bad religion that's a good a segment there called what about 10 years ago though and it will never <laughs> happen again no, let's keep it up. Also, also, uh, it takes a nation of millions by Public Enemy, uh, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies, Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth, and Straight Outta Compton by NWA. Oh, there you go. I was only looking at punk and hardcore, so uh, there. That's the format of the segment now. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Are, we gonna, are we ready to move into what we're going to talk about next week? I yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. So let's hear it. All right, this week. We are going to listen to the drama. What's that? <laughs> the yeah. drama of it all. An introduction to the album by the Hotelier. I don't know this band at all, so I'm so excited. That was okay. the plan. I was really hoping that you didn't know who they were. Okay, I'm really pumped. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah. So I'll you'll have to actually even message me the spelling of that. So Okay. It's from the record home like no place is there. Okay. Well, cool. So I have nothing to um add to that because it's gonna be new to me. I couldn't be more excited. I was like really like toying between going back to like one of the, you know, uh standards that I know that you know. Yeah. Uh but uh but but we're gonna we're gonna branch out and do uh kind of like a later a later so this is 2014 uh emo record um the hotelier an introduction to the album all right so look forward to that um next week okay. otherwise all right that's it from us i think so thanks for listening Hi, Dan and Amanda. <laughs> yeah um subscribe on um apple podcasts if, if you're not or uh follow us on spotify uh those are two places where the show is definitely available <laughs> i don't know about the rest but those two for sure all right so thanks bye everybody bye